fascinating, interesting debate show is live yeah. in the huddle. We got a lot to talk about. Lake Lewis Jr., how you feeling, bro? I'm good. Good to be back on with you, my friend. Now, I appreciate you coming through. And we might as well get right to it. As my guy, Bruce Arians, will say, no risk it, no biscuit. I'm heading for the biscuit right now. Juan Rivera was asked, why do you think teams in the division are further ahead at this point? And he came out and said quarterback. Now, there is a report that came out today about Dan Snyder and how he wanted to, you know, acquire Carson Wentz. Does Juan Rivera's confidence, or should I say lack of, and his comments signify that he was never on board with the transaction of Carson Wentz? Well, you know, I've been critical of Ron and some of his coaching decisions and personnel moves for the last two, three years. Um, I still, you know, hold still, you know, true to value that he's a good person and he was the right person for the hire as far as bringing credibility to the organization. But with that said, the comments I, you know, and I'm not defending Ron because I've been very critical of, him, but I think those comments were blown out of proportion. I, I, I think that the, with the way the question was asked, you know, it wasn't that he was throwing Carson Wentz under the bus. If anything, he was throwing the Taylor Heineke's under the bus. He was throwing, you know, rest in, rest in peace, you know, Dwayne Haskins. He was throwing all the guys that he had before, uh, before they got Carson Wentz, you know. So I think what he meant was, and, and he kind of it, cleared it up, that it wasn't that they're losing because of Carson Wentz. He was saying that the other teams in the division have had their quarterbacks, meaning they've been in the same system for a couple of years now. So they've grown where he aired with that comment was, was that Daniel Jones is in a new system. <laughs> you know, they have a first year rookie coach up there in, in New York came over from Buffalo and yet the giants are four and one. So he aired in that department. I think the problem right now, my friend is that Ron Rivera is making a lot of excuses and the, the, the bottom line is these guys aren't being coached up properly. You can see it out on the field. They're being, uh, you know, outmaneuvered on the field. You know, if it's a chess match out there, teams are, uh, uh, you know, a move or two ahead, and Washington's not able to adjust. So it all has to come back in as far as the coaching. And he's got to look at himself. He's got to look at his offensive coordinator, Scott Turner. He's got to look at Jack Del Rio on the defensive side of the ball. One game doesn't make Jack Del Rio. They did have a really good game last week against Tennessee. But you need to see them follow that up, not just tonight against Chicago, here in Chicago, but they need to follow it up later on as well. So, uh, you know, to get back to your point, I don't think he was throwing Carson Wentz under the bus by any means. He was basically saying that maybe they have their quarterback now that they can be a player with. Uh, but it was a poor choice of words, nevertheless. And it's crazy because they had the number 11 pick in the draft, which they traded, I believe, with the Saints, if I'm not mistaken. And back in the day, you would have got Lamar Jackson with that pick. You would have got Patrick Mahomes. Potentially, if you moved up a spot, you could have got Patrick Mahomes. Hell, you go back further, you could have got the GOAT GOAT, Tom Brady, with that pick. Was it the label and the stigma around the quarterback class of it not being the greatest class there is in the last decade? Why the Washington Commanders decided to try to acquire a quarterback like Carson Wentz? Because I can make the argument on both sides that Washington was in a lose-lose situation because they offered a lot for Russell Wilson. They actually offered him a deal, if I'm not mistaken. And we all know how Russell Wilson is looking right now. And also, you can argue the stigma around the quarterback class. If you were the GM, you know, hypothetically here, what would you have done? 
I would say the quarterback, uh, without question. Um, you know, it's a quarterback-driven league, and Ron Rivera did say that. I, I don't want a quarterback that's had his issues with two different teams driving my team. I just don't. <laughs> and that's not to throw Carson under the bus. I think he's played well, actually, this year. I think he's played very well, uh, considering that the makeshift line in front of him was bad. But that's my point. This, this coaching staff and organization erred on the fact that they felt that they could go into the season with that offensive line and you have a quarterback that's not known to be mobile back there now. Um, he needs all the time he can, he can you know, use to survey the field to make throws with that big arm of his. He's not the most accurate quarterback, so he needs even more time to survey the field and throw with that big arm of his. But you put that offensive line in front of him thinking that they were going to be good. And you can't use the excuse to turn your third center. We already know that they are, but but it wasn't working before, <laughs> before your first center went out. So um, to me, I would have drafted a quarterback. I, I would have probably taken Malik Willis. I think that, you know, you you were in a situation where you, what what so so what they're doing, my friend, is just this, okay? A couple of years ago, they were seven and nine. We knew they weren't a playoff caliber football team. We saw growth, though, in that first year, and they stole the division. They saw that they had a chance to win it. They went after it. Obviously, you play to win the games. I don't want to sound like Herm Edwards, but you do. You play to win the games, you know. But you also have to understand your place, too. So you stole some games and backed into the playoffs at 79, you won your division. So you didn't realize the next year you're going to inherit a first-place schedule. (laughs) Next year – you're going to be in a bad draft spot because you made the playoffs. My thing is continue to build. You recognize that maybe you didn't have the quarterback at the time that you wanted. So you could have drafted a quarterback, but they felt like they could go out and get a veteran quarterback that was going to make a difference for this team and push them up in the upper echelon of teams. And that was wishful thinking. And everyone knew that that Washington team was way more than just uh average quarterback away you know unless you got a Russell Wilson I think that you should have traded or you know back in the draft and you know accumulated some picks which they did and they got Jahan Dotson which was a, looks like a great move so far but you still need your quarterback and I don't think your quarterback of the future is on your roster right now so you're still in the same boat going forward and we see that a lot with a couple NFL teams that I could think of right now where the roster it's like a win-now roster because I could look at Washington and say that they have a win-now roster, in my opinion, especially like the last couple of years. But the quarterback is the missing piece, you know, and you see it with the Colts right now with Frank Wright, you know, win-now roster, both sides of the ball, always play hard, but can't get the quarterback right. And he trade for quarterbacks every single year. And now look at them. Also, the Panthers was doing the same thing. Matt Rule just got fired. I'm going to come back to Ron Rivera in a few minutes, but I think. Going forward, we came with a report today. It was a report that dropped today about Dan Snyder early this morning by ESPN, in which he reportedly hired investigators to dig up dirt on NFL owners and Roger Goodell. He went as far as saying, allegedly, that the NFL can't, you know what, with me. We all know when it comes to the players, the NFL is not shy to dish out punishment. But when it comes to the owners, It's like they're scared straight. You look at Roger Goodell, he's shaking like a dice game out there. What is it when it comes to these owners? And do you think that Dan Snyder really does have dirt that he's willing to drop? Or is it, okay, he's just saying that because he's on his last legs. 
I think it's both. <laughs> he is on his last leg, so to speak. Um, but he also ha- he does have some dirt. And I can tell you right now from just knowing people that are in other organizations, there's a lot of things that are going on or were going on in other organizations that were going on in this organization. And there's no, that's not me creating stuff. I'm telling you that factually. So with that said, I'm just a reporter. <laughs> I'm just a journalist. Uh, you know, I love the inside title and all that stuff. And sometimes it's a blessing. Sometimes it's a curse because you know too much. But with that being said, this is happening in quite a few places, not just in the NFL, but in other organizations. We saw what's going on in the NBA and they're getting rid of owners. You know, it's the second owner in what five years they've had to get rid of uh, for misdoing. So my, my point being, you you have these things happening. And what, what happens is, is that a lot of these owners, there's a disconnect with reality. And, you know, these aren't guys that, you know, somehow, you know, did a, a nice business doing here and made some money off of it. And they're a normal Joe that made money. A lot of these guys grew up in the money. You know, a lot of them grew up around it. And there's a sense of entitlement that comes with them. And no one can tell them anything. So when you're told you got to sell a team, when you're told that you did wrong over here, you know, a lot of times it's a PR apology that goes out and they think they should still be able to do whatever they want. And it's not the case now. So Dan Snyder right now knows that the the walls are slowly starting to cave in a little bit. And um, do I think he's going to have to sell the team this year? No, I don't. I don't, I don't see that happening. I really don't. Um, I think that it's going to have to get messy before it gets better and it's probably going to have to be one of those things where, you know, how they say, when I go down, you're coming down with me because I know some things. That's pretty much what this is. And it's just the rich, the rich fighting each other right now. So we just sit back and watch it and laugh. <laughs> I think a lot of people, when they see guys with suits and ties, they automatically think that these guys are good dudes. Like, of course, there's a level of professionalism when wearing a shirt and a tie with a lot of the job forces across America. But there's certain situations where people that wear the black suit and the tie are actually corrupt and not only corrupt, but they operate like they're in the mafia almost. And I think that's kind of like what I'm learning, especially when it comes to ownership, that because you have a lot of money and you wear a shirt and a tie does not mean that you have the franchise best interest at heart. And the people that work for you, what makes the NFL so great right now is like it's a reality show and it's not scripted. It will make another great episode of reality TV. But there's another question that I want to ask you because we have a game on tonight and a lot of people, they're going to watch this video on Friday. The game is going to be over. But how important is this game for the commanders, not only for salvaging this season, but also in a broader outlook perspective when it comes to Juan Rivera's job security and have you heard any rumblings amongst the team that um this may be his last reward with the team or is it something that you really didn't hear nothing about so far no Ron Rivera's not going to get fired this year um I, I I'll go out and say on my professional basis that they could not lose I mean not win another game and they cannot score another touchdown this year he's not getting fired <laughs> um it would be another bad PR blow for the team, even if it's warranted. And I think a lot of people want Ron out. Um, but like I said, he's done some good things on one side of the board as far as the professionalism of the organization. And but on the field, it hasn't it hasn't you know matriculated as bad. So um, no, I don't think he's going to be fired. But as far as the game itself, 
yeah, it's more than just salvaging your season. It's, it's keeping the very little bit of, the, of your fan base that you have left, you know, seeing that they want to stick around for this. Because a lot of people are jumping ship right now and they tried over the years. They really have. But a once proud franchise is now a laughing stock in all of sports. Um, you know, you go when we're at the stadiums on Sunday at, at home. Um, I'll, I'll make this kind of known. There's more Washington fans on on the road. We're going to see more of that tonight here in Chicago. Fans of Washington, when you will, in your own building. And that's not good. So, um, you know, it just seems like maybe Dan Snyder and company, they seem to appear to have been tone deaf over the years. And now it's come back to really bite them. It's, it's a sad state to be in FedEx field and see it being besieged by fans of the other team. And the upper rafters, halfway mark of the stadium is not filled anymore. It's just a sad state for a once proud franchise that was one of the blueprints for the NFL. So, yeah, they've got to win tonight to salvage keeping their fans happy. They've got to salvage keeping us in the media from having to talk negatively all the time. Uh, you know, we we take we get shots taken at us, my friend. You know how that goes. Yeah. You know my style. My style is not to be negative. I try to be as positive as possible. But if you're not giving me anything positive, I still have a job to do. And unfortunately, they're giving me a lot of negative stuff to talk about. And that's one of the reasons why I feel sorry for like journalists, because it's like, okay, you want us to ask you questions that are good questions, that are questions of positivity. But if you're not giving me a reason to ask that, then I'm out here looking like a fool and I might lose my job. Right. So, uh, right. And they bark at you, too, because yeah, I see why Rivera barked at a couple um, journalists before on video. So I don't know. It's a lot of a lot of issues going on. But anyway, I got one more question because I'm going to let you get up out of here. I know that you're a busy man, and I appreciate you taking time out your schedule to come on in the huddle. But um, Tom Brady last week, he made a comment about bad football when asked why at the time there was a lot of two-and-two teams, you know, in the league. He said a lot of bad football is being played. Now, the question that I have for you is do you agree with Tom Brady or do you think it's more parity in the NFL why games are more competitive, why teams that were looked at as contenders are not are showing that they are contenders this year, or is it a combination of both bad football but parity at the same time? I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest with you, but I also will go a little further and say that some of the reason why you have some of this bad football is because players don't know how to play the game anymore, not because of their skill level, but because of how the game's being officiated. You can't hit quarterbacks now. You can't sneeze on them, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> And if you're a defensive lineman and you're getting paid top dollar like a Chris Jones, you know, top dollar to go get the quarterback, and that's what you're told to do, you're not thinking in a split second, don't land on a guy. You know, you're not thinking in a split second, don't throw him to the ground because they're going to call a penalty. Everything is a reactionary thing in sports. So when these guys now are being overly analyzed, with are they headhunting? Are they, you know, trying to knock guys out the game? It, it, it changes the way you play. You don't play at that same speed anymore. And because you're not playing at the same speed, you're more prone to get beat, you know, if you're on defense. If you're not playing at the same speed, you're, you're, you're more inept to go over across the middle as a wide receiver, put your hands up as you know what's coming. I mean, it's just right now guys are thinking out on the field, and it just doesn't seem like it's a fluid sport like it used to be. I mean, back in the day when guys were headhunting, when guys were face masking, you know, and it was a lot dirtier, it still was a cleaner product, believe it or not, you know, and you didn't have the parity. You had 
four or five teams that were the king of the hill every year that people were trying to get to. Um, he didn't have the free agency. So a lot of the way the game is being played now and the rules and changes and free agency, it, it's, it's caused the league to have parity. A lot of people like parity. I hate parity. I can't stand it. And the reason why I don't like parity is because I always like, like we said, four or five teams you're shooting for. I always want someone to attain to get them because it makes you raise your product. So it makes, you know, from you being a mediocre team, you got to be great to beat those teams. So then you have more really good teams and you have better football. And I think, and this is just my theory here. What do I know? I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. But I do think that the preseason and guys not playing in the preseason a lot. You see guys taking on that Sean McVay route of I'm arresting my starters throughout the preseason. I think it's had an impact on, you know, um, just how things look on the football field, how guys is in rhythm. You know, you have new coaches with new philosophies and new systems that they're running with new teams and they out of sync and also injuries as well. So I think that also has a lot to do with it as well as the calls that we've seen. Yeah, great point, man. I mean, you know, you, you think about it. Washington didn't play a lot of the starters for extended periods of time, and it shows. Cincinnati Bengals were, did not play hardly anybody in the preseason, and it shows. Um, the Rams didn't play a lot of people in the preseason, and it's showing. So my thing is you have one less preseason game now. To me, that's more reason why they should be playing during the preseason. And maybe, you know, you you have your third game, the game no starters play. Second game is a dress rehearsal game. First game, you give them a quarter so they can get their feet wet. But if you're being real protective of players, you and I both know this, and I know from from playing college ball, what happens is is that when you play very trepid-like, that's when you get hurt. (laughs) So, you know, when you go from not playing at all to now the bullets are really flying out there 100%, the speed of the game is there, that's when guys get hurt because they're not prepared for it. So the league and coaches are going to have to really start to assess how they go about their preseasons and off-seasons. Kansas City played their starters. Look at them right now. The Bills, they played their starters. Look at them right now. The two best teams in the conference going at it this Sunday. Late Lewis Jr., I want to thank you for coming on this show, and I'm looking forward to having you on again in the future. Absolutely. Anytime, my friend. Sorry about yesterday, but I was traveling, but we made it work. (laughs) Now We made it work, and that's what we do. That's what people do that are serious. They make things work. And ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up another episode. I'll see you all on the other side. Peace out.